Uh, my name is Gurinderpal. I am the host of this podcast, and this is episode four of season two, uh, 16 episodes in total. Um, I do want to just quickly start off by saying apologies for the last two months. Um, we had a schedule conflicting, and also the last episode that we uploaded, uh, it was delayed. It was supposed to come out in February, it came out in March, and so we had a couple of scheduling issues that we had to get through, but um, I'm happy to basically announce that we are coming back for April. It's not that we just disappeared and we're not making any more episodes. Um, that is not the case. Uh, we are we are fully back and hoping to continue uh, this amazing podcast and platform that we have created um, for the last over month and a half almost now. Um, and we've had amazing guests and and another amazing guest has joined us today. Um, I'll let Jaskeet um, introduce herself in here in a bit, but I just wanted to do some quick promo stuff. So if you are watching this, um, this will be coming out this Friday. So that's the 29th, I believe. And so you still, we have a bunch of uh, events if you are local to UC Davis that we have coming up that we have planned um, for the month of May. Um, if you want more information, you can always go and check out the IG, but we have, we also have Lilkar coming to UC Davis this year, uh, which are, we are very excited to know because that means I don't have to travel to Bakersfield, uh, <laughs> because, you know, when we were in person, when Lilkar was in person, we would have to drive five hours to Bakersfield to go enjoy Lilkar, which I didn't mind because it was five hours to enjoy an amazing weekend. Uh, you get to meet new people continue friendships if you've already met people and you like you know you get to hang out with them for another weekend but also the conversations are a little bit more in depth so if you went to if you've been to Nishan before and you've never been to Lokar um, the conversations are a little bit more impactful a little bit more thoughtful and thought bringing they're not as simple as you know some questions or some thoughts that we have um, which I would say this, that this past Nishan that we did as a facilitator, a couple of these questions and the thoughts that we were having in conversations we were, were very, you know, higher level than I would expect from high schoolers. And I was very shocked to like, you know, hear from them, which I think something is uh, something to like kind of know on is just high schoolers really have a bigger, you know, range of conversation ability. And we just limit them to like, you know, basic conversations because we just think they're not ready for stuff. But I think that was something for me, which was just mind blowing. But again, this year's uh, topics, core voices, which we had an episode about that um, in season one with Harveen Kaur. So if you want to go watch that, I recommend to go and watch that because it was really amazing. Harveen's an amazing guest. And now I'll let Jaskeet introduce herself. Um, without further ado, you can go introduce yourself. My name is Jaskeet Gore and I'm the Fresno County Community Organizer with the Jakarta Movement right now. And I'm really excited to be on this podcast. You know, 15 episodes later, here I am. I'm a listener since day one. Grinder uh, is the number one fan probably. So just happy to be here. No, I, I mean, every single time I post a new episode or a new flyer or anything, Jaskeet's like one of the first people to like, just, you know, heart, send hearts or like send like love. So and it was like, you know, it's kind of, for me, that was one of the reasons why I was just like, you know, keep going, we can keep we can keep building. It was because like the support from day one was there. And I think that's something that really speaks volumes to what Jakarta is as overall. We'll get a little bit into like, you know, your role as a community organizer, but um, that just speaks volumes to what Jakarta is as a family and something that's, that's very cherishable to me. It's, um, no matter what, you'll be you'll feel supported. You'll feel safe. You'll feel like you're at a place where you can really be yourself, um, and that's why I was just like I had this idea of this podcast. I was like, well, I don't know where it's gonna go. I don't know, you know, if anybody's gonna listen. And then immediately, you know, bunch of people just started texting and saying like, you know, you're doing an amazing job. You did like, it's amazing to this. And I was just like, when when people started asking to like, you know, come on, they're like, when's my turn to come on? I was like, okay this is where we're getting, we're getting to a place where like, you know, it's it just keeps being one of the people, but it was like, you know, that was the kind of a self-realization for me that like, you know, this is actually something that we can continue and keep grow growing because people are recognizing that, you know, this is something they want to also join in. Like I said, if you ever want, if you're listening now, and if you want to do an episode, always, uh, we have our email to, um, to the podcast, 
which is directly goes to me. So if you want to join, if you want to come up with a topic, if you want to do anything to help out, we would love to hear from you, any ideas. So you can always click in the description and click on the email and send an email. Um, but I, so just keep, I wanted to first dive in a little bit about um, how you joined Jakarta first. You know, I don't know. I don't personally know the story, so I don't know when that was. So if you want to just talk about like, you know, the first time you hearing about Jakarta, how you came to be, like, what was it? Like, what were your initial thoughts at first? Sure. I actually love when people ask me this because I get to brag about being a Jakarta junior myself. I don't know if this is like the home court advantage of being from Fresno, but uh, the Punjabi school that I would go to when I was younger at Singh Sabagordora in Fresno, um, I think it held like one of the first few Jakarta juniors camps. And this would be an annual thing that happened in Fresno. So I for sure at least been to three when I was a kid. I have like some t-shirts, wristbands lying around. Um, I still remember the nursery rhymes that we were doing that whole uh, camp day. So I would definitely say that that's my introduction to Jakarta, but I did over time lose touch just from like having being done with Punjabi school and then going to schools where I was, you know, the only Punjabi as well too, which is uncommon here in Fresno, but I always ended up going to schools where I was one of the few Punjabis in my class. So I wasn't very connected to um, my Sangat. I wasn't really connected to yeah, like and any Sikh folks really other than like my Gurdwara crew. So uh, my involvement later came around college time. I went to a random JMC meeting. Um, those who have been part of Jakarta for a very long time probably know these two folks. Their name is just Nathan Simran. And they kind of dragged me to my first ever just JMC meeting. They were super involved with Jakarta uh, throughout their high school. They started the first ever SHSS in Fresno. Um, so they kind of really encouraged me to get more involved because they had so much fun doing it as well too. So I went to a random JMC meeting. I didn't even know what JMC was or that it was JMC. I just knew that I was going to do some bowling and eat pizza with um, the Jakarta people. So I went there um, at that meeting, I met the current organizers, Sim and Gamal. And they mentioned needing some help who wanted to be like a board member uh, at their club at Fresno State. and so. Me again, coming from you know a high school where I didn't have many Punjabi folks, uh, and being in college, being on a commuter campus where it wasn't very easy to make friends, I felt like I wanted to take a leadership position. Um, part of it may have even been for just the, the grad school application, like, hey, this is another thing I can add to my resume. But uh, I was really excited to just learn more because I had so much fun that night, and so I kind of just joined group me that day. Uh, started talking with Sim and Gummel a bit more. And then that summer I was reeled into Lil God. Uh, so my first ever real, I would say, Jakarta event as an adult. And I think that's what really reeled me in, what kept me sticking around. Um, the topic at that time was also four voices. So uh, and shameless plug, we're doing the same topic this, this summer at UC Davis come through. But um, at that time we were in Bakersfield. It was our first uh, round of Lil God in that region. So it being so close to Fresno, um, I just felt like I really should go and that it would it would have been a great event. I didn't know what to expect, but I think being there, it really just blew me away to know that there were so many other sick youth, like my peers, you know, that cared about what the topics I cared about. I was so stuck in this bubble of thinking that like the misogyny we see in our culture is just something that's everywhere and accepted everywhere. So seeing a youth, um, even folks like a few years older than me just speak out against misogyny it's something I had never seen before at least in the Punjabi Sikh community so I felt a bit uh, alone you know at that love god just because I didn't know many people and I think at your first Jakarta event it's very easy to feel like that because it feels like there's this click vibe going on but everyone was so welcoming and I think I left that weekend um, making so many friends people I still talk to to this day so that was kind of my intro to Jakarta movement. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, um, I, was... see, I think I think see like you know, you dive you dove into a lot of things, and you know, I think it's it's amazing how like the journey started when like you know you were younger and you know kind of lose touch, but then you found yourself you know finding it finding Jakarta once again, and that's something that you know a lot of people they experience that today. Like I know people like you know that were in SHSS with me in our you know, when we were in high school, which is our high school, Jakarta's uh, high school clubs at various high school campuses, uh, we were in SHSS. And, you know, now after we've, you know, 
obviously when we graduated and we left, like they lost touch with Yukata, but they always, you know, when we talk, they're like, you know, I want to get back into it or like, I want to, you know, join back. And I'm like, you know, there's opportunities. If you're at, at a school that has a GMC, you know, that's easy. Like you just have to go show up to an event or like, you know, try to talk to the GMC board there and be like, Hey, you know, I would love to join. I would love to like, you know, have an event or there's ways to, to do that if you're at college. And now, you know, starting recently, uh, you know, if, if you graduated from high or from college, now we have, we're starting introducing our missiles. Um, I know Bervina last, last episode, she talked about the SAC missile and went, gave a lot of details about those, but those are, that's opportunities for folks that already graduated college that want to get involved with their community and get involved with Jakarta. Like that's, there's this recurring, there's these programs that have been laid out is you have to put a little bit of effort to go look for these things again but it's always it's always as simple as just showing up to you know to go bowl and have some pizza and you can be you know work yourself way all up to being a staffer one day you know it's like small things like that that happen and like times flies right um funny enough that Lilikar being your first event I think Lilikar is also the first met that we kind of met in terms of a having a talking conversation like relationship I know like you were if I'm not mistaken, you were a facilitator at the Nishan in 2018, correct? I couldn't tell you. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, that, the, because- first, the first Nishan I ever facilitated, we had the flame shirt. Yeah, that was 2018. Okay. Then, the yes. white, the white with the flame no, shirt. No, 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 that was the second one. That was the second one. So the first event that we actually did meet each other is Little Car. Because you were my first facilitator. You were my first facilitator. I'm remembering these. Sean, I'm pretty sure too. <laughs> it was so long ago, but it could I, have been I'm... a GMC retreat. I don't even know. I think no, no, no. But I think the first first time that we actually like met, and you know, I think we had like we started to like talk to one another and get to know one another was at a Lagar, and because you're my facilitator, and I think it was like a little bit like having, um having that relationship with the facilitator be it at a little guard which is a little bit more like you know friend-based relationship in terms of like Nishan where you have like a mentor or like somebody like you're looking up to kind of thing but I think meeting then was like for me it was like oh my god like you know all these thoughts we're talking and we're so alike yet so different and then you know coming from different places like you know me coming from Sacramento you coming from Fresno like we would never have met if it wasn't for, you know, to kind of bringing us together. And that's why it's just like, again, those are things that you kind of don't value when you think of Jakarta as like, you know, bringing people from different parts of the state together for, albeit for a weekend or albeit for like, you know, a couple of days, like just bringing you together for that amount of time is like, it's so insane because the planning and level of organization that has to go through to get through there. Um, but I don't want to get too off track, <laughs> but, you know, it was funny that I just wanted to say that, like, you know, we've met at, like, I think the first time we actually like met and had to like, you know, meet each other and all that was at Lagar. I think it was my first Lagar, if I'm not mistaken too. Um, I think it was the, it was, it was the Gordwaras in 2025, I believe, yes. or 2024. I, I, I think it was 2025, but I think that was my first Lagar that I went to. And I pretty sure then we were, you know, I was in the, in the group and all that. But it was, it's, I just wanted to dive a little bit into like, you know, your GMC years. Like, how did you go from, you know, joining as just going to an event to, you know, going on board and, you know, as the years went on, like talk through that journey a little bit. Sure. Uh, So as I mentioned, I went to a random social one day and signed up to be an officer. But as I'm thinking back, I think timeline wise, that was the end of that school year. So I spent my last three years of uh, undergrad as a GMC board member. And I think like it started with that meeting, then I jumped into Low God that year and that's what kind of reeled me in. Um, so that following fall was, I guess, my first year as a GMC member. And I think uh, what kept me around, what, uh, what that journey was like is just knowing that I felt like the leadership was needed or like the student presence was also needed. We were just having conversations that I felt like no one else was having, or it would be conversations that you're seeing on Twitter, but no one's really doing anything about it to talk about it on campus. And that's what really inspired me to kind of want to do that because being in college, being an undergrad, I felt like we should be challenging our minds every day and also teaching ourselves, uh, you know, a range of different topics as well too. I felt like because I had lost a connection with just like Gurdwara Sangat and not being in Punjabi school that I wasn't really, 
you know, keeping myself up to date on what's going on with my community um, and then having like those hard conversations because I think it's, it's very easy to point out flaws in your community, but when you are not having discussions to kind of directly change that, then, you know, you're not really contributing to anything larger. Um, so that's kind of what kept me around, I would say, like in the, in the JMC years. I think I had always had some sort of leadership position and just really helped like keep the rest of the JMC like on track. And um, I met so many amazing people through that, uh, just holding like various different events and then being able to like in my last year, like pass that on to some students that I'm still seeing today that are part of Fresno State's JMC. So it was, it was a really great, um, fun experience, I'd say. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, it's like the journey is usually like the best thing because I, I've shared my journey multiple times and I don't want to dive into it, but if you are a first time listener, this will give you a incentive to go listen to every episode before to go listen to my journey that I've talked about multiple times, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of twists and there's a lot of turns. There's a lot of unexpected things that you don't, you know, expect to happen, but they happen. And those are the things that like leave the biggest impression on you. I, uh, I, you know, a quick thing is like, for me, is like when I went to my first Nishan, it was like, I went in knowing next to nobody being very shy or, you know, in the space where I didn't know anybody other than the people that like, you know, we traveled with, um, but I came out of it as like a changed person, not just like as, as a personal thing, but like, you know, my relationships with other people, just, you know, relationships with my family, you know, um, it was like Nishan 2018 was one of the reasons why, you know, I started to, I had the courage to kind of start keeping my, uh, my case daddy and, you know, try to follow a little bit of a path of look standing out, which for me was like one of the hardest things I think I had to do in my life. If I look back, right um kind of accepting who I was and not trying to run away from it anymore because I had run away from it for so long um not just because I want like you know it was not a conscious decision that I just want to keep running away I was like one day you know eventually I would do it but it was just I kept putting it off because I was just like I didn't want to deal with all the hardships that come with it but you just have to give it a try you just have to take the leap of faith and in this case like I had all these people like you know helping me get to that decision you know all the people I had met that weekend all those people that you know I kind of felt like there's support here no matter you know if somebody that doesn't know me says something about me like I, I know there's people behind me that actually care about who I am know who I am and support that and I think you touched about about like Twitter space like you know Twitter you can say a lot of things right you can tweet had a out whole episode about that it's okay we had it's yeah fun. like you know you can tweet out that you know for impressions for likes and you know a lot of people do this he's like you know tweet out something that you know people think about but what are you actually doing to help that actually occur right mm -hmm. it's easy to tweet it it's not it's it's much harder to actually go hold a conversation about it to somebody that might disagree with you right and twitter you're only going to find those that either agree with you or very much don't agree with you but then they won't like it's, you know, we talked about the toxicness that's on there, you know, you'll just get hate from random places, but that's just what Twitter is. But what are you doing, like, on the ground level? What are you, you know, are you having conversations with your friends saying, like, hey, you know, we shouldn't be using these words, or hey, we shouldn't be saying this, or hey, we shouldn't be thinking this way? Are you having those conversations? Because if you're not, then you're just, you know, you're just speaking one thing, but you're doing the complete opposite and you're staying as a bystander and you're staying as on the sidelines and so that's something that I feel like you know Jakarta as a whole kind of tries to pushes on people like hey are you just talking about these things or are you actually doing these things and I'll let you talk about you know how being a community organizer I know we're going to jump a little bit but you know becoming a staffer a little bit how how you change your your point of view of like how we can actually start on the ground level, start implementing these things and having conversations like these. Like, but I don't know if you like if you got the question, but I'm just like you know how uh, once you became like a staffer, like how did your thinking kind of change to like okay now I can't just say these things or you know I personally you know you could be saying these things at a JMC, but now you know, you're working with high schoolers, you're working with college students, like, how does that change kind of like, how do you encourage others to kind of stop just talking, but like actually start doing? Yeah, um, I think my mentality going in was also being that person that would rather have a conversation constructively in person than like, you know, engage in any type of online discourse. And I think the great thing about like, 
jumping into this position is you're kind of already in the network of so many folks like you know this the foundation of like what Jakarta is right now in Fresno was built you know long before I got here so I kind of you know got to I was immediately just connected to the youth right and like we're able to hold those conversations on a pretty often basis as we see fit you know that's like why we're able to do the workshops that we have at Nishan and why we're able to do small things like Gore's Nights in Fresno, you know, um, and having like the youth center um, here to also just hold conversations, um, even about like behavior things, uh, just small things and really be mentors for for the youth. Yeah, and you know, I will go a little bit back now because you know we jumped a period from going from being you being an officer to being you know kind of one of the people that helped organize stuff on a higher level at the JMC to you know leaving the JMC behind to other people and going on to still being involved. How did the, like, so I don't want to get real personal here, but like, I know you, you know, for, for school, if I'm not wrong, you did to go study, you were studying law as your undergrad, right? Right? No? No. Okay. So um, my undergrad degree, I did business uh, administration with an emphasis in computer information systems, but I always had a passion for law. So I think a lot of folks got that confused. I did I got that confused. mock trial and stuff, right? I'm an undergrad. So I law school was a huge goal of mine. I'm not even going to say that it still isn't. You know, I think I'm still trying to figure out like um, that part of myself. But uh, yeah, I, either way, like my current position is not related to what I studied in undergrad. I like to make this joke pretty often. Like I have a computer information systems degree, can barely connect my computer to the printer. So I'm um, like, even like if we're going to talk about that, I just... Uh, I think I grew up in an environment also where, you know, you just wanted to pick something that had job security. And I felt like this was definitely an interest of mine, but maybe not my passion. And I think the more I was working with nonprofits, I had like just a whole epiphany really like an undergrad as I was working, you know, for city council and like, honestly, just knowing how much my blood would boil whenever like certain issues, you know, were presented to me I just I felt like my calling was something else and maybe it could lead me to whatever I wanted to do later and that you know yeah I like with undergrad you're just not really often encouraged to take different routes either I think like my last semester of undergrad I realized dude I should have been an Asian American studies major I should have done ethnic studies it's something I'm good at I don't even you know I didn't know that you could actually love the classes that you're in until that semester. So like any opportunity I had to take a women's studies class, I would be there, um, you know, ethnic studies, Asian American studies, uh, those were like very huge and pivotal uh, for me in undergrad to kind of realize like, this is something that I'm also super passionate about, interested in, and I can read about it for days and it doesn't feel like homework. And that's just not something that I think I experienced in my regular coursework in undergrad. Well, I mean, you're, you're telling this to a bio-sci, you know, major who kind of, I, there's some aspects of bio-sci that I enjoy and I love, you know, and there's some aspects that are kind of just get it over with and get it done with, you know, because they're major requirements, right? Organic chemistry being one of those, those things. If you're a bio-sci major, you know, the pain that we've been through. Um, but it's just like, that's actually something that I wanted to kind of touch base on because when we think about jobs and we think about, you know, what do we want to pursue in, in our careers or in our lives, right? We have to have that conversations with ourselves when we're 18 or 17, right? Applying to these colleges and they ask you, hey, what do you want to apply for coming to our school? Like what major? And as a young adult or like a young, very young person, you have to kind of lock in what you are, or like what is supposedly supposed to be the rest of your life and you're supposed to lock it in, right? Um, and it's funny because not only like, you know, you shared your, your story of, you know, what you did in undergrad, but we, I've gotten to know the stories of all, a couple other people that are a part of, um, Jigata that didn't have this as their, you know, their, their options or their, on their, on their plans of what they were going to do after undergrad, um, being Harjeet being an astrophysics and then being a Jigata, like, like, you know, a community organizer. So it's like, I think what it was, and I and we've I've spoke with Deep um, about this as well, as just like I think a lot of us don't see that this as a career, or this like you know the work that Jakarta does, or like you know even just community building in some aspect. It doesn't just have to be with Jakarta, but like community building, and you know being there for your community in some aspect or working ground level with it. 
I don't see I don't think people see that especially in our community as a as a thing that you can do with job yes you can do that as as you volunteer or you can do this as you know as when you have free time or stuff like that but it's like never seen as like hey there's actually jobs in this field that really need filling like we need like I mean a couple of years ago me and Munpreet or last year me and Munpreet in season one we did an episode about the Jagata movement and how much has grown over the last couple of years that we've we've been I've been a part of it when we shared a little bit before that too but it's just insane that last year we were having a conversation of like how much it's grown to that point and like within the next year from that happening that episode it's grown even like tremendously more and it's still growing on top of that like if you if you're somebody that you know maybe you just graduated or you're graduating and you you know you're trying to figure out what you want to do maybe you don't want to go into grad school immediately you know there's opportunities out there for you to explore that doesn't have to, like you don't necessarily have to lock yourself into a position right away. And I'm going to let you talk about how you changed your course from being, you know, what you did in undergrad, which you spent four years studying for, and then kind of taking this unorthodox path to being, you know, employed by Jakarta. And, you know, obviously you said like in the future, you might, you know, pursue going to law school still, but for like the moment, moment being like, how what triggered the transition or like the differentiator of how you take up this opportunity yeah great question um i even wanted to touch on one thing you mentioned before uh when it comes to community organizing i totally agree you know on everything that you said i think like we may think that we just don't see this as a career but i think what i realized in my transition is that we just never knew this was an option right like we never knew that like you actually can um, have a career in something that you're passionate about and you know that volunteer thing that you're considering can also be your career as well too so um, even tying that back to like how I got here I think like my involvement in social life just kind of naturally became like Jakarta things when I was an undergrad as I mentioned like I went to a commuter school I definitely had you know a social life outside of all this um, but I realized I'm spending all my summers here um, I realized that uh nonprofit sector was also something that I was super interested in. So there was a point in, in a period where I'm like asking Kamal and Leaf about other nonprofits to work for, not even thinking that like, oh, I, you know, I would end up here, you know, and like just asking them like, hey, what do you know about these people? Should I apply? I heard they're hiring. And so I think like just them knowing that my interest was in this field, knowing that I, I did have a passion for it, like kind of fueled that. I kind of, I want to say this, but I don't want to say this. I feel like I was recruited by an undergrad, you know, like they kind of just said like, oh, she's going to stick around. And they just kind of knew that for me before I even knew it for myself um because I, I I had those conversations but I still was thinking like no I have this track that I'm going on and this is just something that I love to do um and it just like beautifully became you know th those paths kind of kind of crossed uh for other context uh 2020 is when I graduated my undergrad so I was literally like spending my last semester last few months in a very um uncertain period for us all but you know finishing undergrad uh working online part-time for local city council another opportunity that this organization brought to me too um but i think like i was just so unclear of like what's going on you know like with my life what's going on with the world <laughs> like are we going to be here in a year you know all those things that like everybody was feeling you know yeah, so i'm like no, worried about like anything like will we even be around to care but anyways, that's like totally <laughs> no i feel it but that's like you know that those were quite you know like everything was shut down you couldn't leave our house like, and i'm do like even, do i even do my homework Should yeah I even like <laughs> if I do, all, yeah, all exaggeration all jokes. it was like we were like one day we were going to class and for i mean both of us because we were at the same time at school still but like it was like one day we were in class like going to class and then the next day like the professor's like at home just like you know in their casual clothes Everyone's just lost everybody's like, just lost like zoom <laughs> zoom still was not like you know when when the pandemic first hit zoom was still like kind of a thing but not really a thing so it was just well, a very never heard of it before. yeah it was a very it was it was a haze right yeah definitely and, yeah so i yeah even graduation for me was like i finished a final and i closed my laptop and now i got this degree i've been working for for so long but um anyways like aside from all that uh like for more reference and background i live a total of like four minutes from the youth center so even like when there's something going on like I was just so close by I think like the online events that Jakarta was still doing was like still some way from like me to feel connected it had become like my sangat at that point you know um and just seeing that they like needed another community organizer I was getting staff sending me messages like you know with the the eyes emojis that's like so when are you applying you know <laughs> um so 
I just felt like a sign. It felt like a perfect fit. It felt like this was so meant to be because I didn't know that like there would even be an option to like have this full-time job that I freaking love that too, like four minutes from my house, like with an option to like work there if I wanted to like be at my home, if I wanted to, um, just something that like still made me feel so like, like secure and something that I really, really enjoyed. So that transition happened so seamlessly. I put in a two weeks notice, like at the other job and said, peace out. I'm you know, like going to be with this organization that I had been talking about my whole time at that job anyway. So I think everybody, I really think everyone knew it before I knew it. So, and it just came to be, yeah. and it, it really like brightened up, um, you know, the pandemic for me, like just being privileged enough to like be able-bodied and leave my house and like have a place to work from where I trust that everybody else is also following protocols, like in such an uncertain time. So if anything, like, I, I don't know how I ended up here, but I'm here, we out here. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, it's, it's you know, so, you know, people say that, like, find whatever you love to do and try to find that, like, try to find a job that you love to do, right? You don't want to be in a job that you don't like to do. And that's much, like, it sounds like a cliche and it sounds like something that, like, you know, it's impossible or like, but you can see both sides of it, right? Some people just have to get jobs that, you know, they might not preferably love, but they still like doing their work, still like mm-hmm. going to work. And, you know, there's only a very few people that hate going to work, right? But finding something you love to do and that being your job, like there's like, there's not even words to kind of explain like how that feels. Yeah. And I, you know, I had friends telling me like, you were doing that for free anyways. You might as well apply and like, <laughs> you know like do that full-time and I was just like yo like you're you know I, I did want to be here full-time and like it's so rare to find work that doesn't feel like work um, yeah also so uh, yeah. and you know um, I <laughs> you know the transition it, it, to me as an outsider right because I saw you know you were I kind of saw like how you were in college and stuff like that and then all and then you became a staffer but was there like any moments in between there where like you know parents or people around you you said like a couple of your friends were saying like you know you should apply no no but was there like what were like the general like because this was something that like again it was kind of unorthodox right you go to school for one thing you spend all this time and effort doing this one thing and then to kind of because I don't want to say that you you're stopping to do that stuff because obviously you know that's obviously you can restart that whenever you feel like it but kind of taking putting breaks on that to do something that's unrelated was there any pushback from parents or any anybody like kind of trying to say like hey you know you should take some time to think about this instead of just jumping headfirst into it or was it just everybody understood and (laughs) was on board immediately you know what I realized um later on is that I didn't really consult anyone like I just knew that like this is me in my life and I feel like being a brown girl like you kind of have a lot of things dictated for you already I didn't want my career to be one of those things. Um, I also realized, you know, like, as I mentioned that I felt like I should have studied something else. I realized that like grad school is something I see like in the cards for me. Don't ask me that in five months. I don't know where I'll be, right? But like, at that point I was just like, grad school is something I want to do. I need to love it. And I felt like this was going to be like the perfect opportunity to like actually get to learn myself, learn about like more about what my passions are because it directly aligns with the work that we're doing here. Um, like build networking that I would not have had otherwise, you know, um, learn from others, like the con- the mentors that we connect youth to, like those, I was thinking like, yo, those could be my mentors too. Why not? You know? Yeah. Um, and like my, I'm, I'm working with my mentors. Like um, it just, at no point did I feel like this isn't something I should do. And now again, like family and friends, when you grow up in an environment where again, like success is measured by your you know, income. Yeah, you yeah. can have a job that you love. It doesn't always pay the bills that you want them to pay. Um, and I'm not like even critiquing about me and myself right now, but I do think that there was just family that didn't understand. And, you know, when they're not attending these events or kind of really trying to figure out what this organization is about, um, that it's more than just, you know, what their perception of Jakarta was at that time. Uh, I can't say that there was like full support, but I think I just realized I didn't care. This is me and my career. This is my life. And um, over time, I think like, I've been able to kind of bring family in and then like, you know, just talk about my experience and everyone's kind of understanding it a bit more. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't think I, I really cared much. Um, I didn't, 
yeah and a lot of my friends i think they were they were very happy for me because yeah. they knew i was happy here um and that's kind of that <laughs> <laughs> no it's like you know we we always we've had episodes in the past where we try to our last episode in Pacific, right. We were talking about on the track, off the track, what's on the track, what's off the track. Like what are, what does that mean? Right. And, and, and we can say these things to high schoolers very easily because we kind of have these terms kind of defined for us to kind of tell the high schoolers what those are, but it's not until like we come to think about these as ourselves. Like we're in that aspect of like, you know, we're at that point where we do, we decide to stay on the track or do we stay we get off the track right um from some of us we were on it and we're going to continue on it because we, we that's what we want to do but some of us you know st- start thinking about things right and I, I just realized that this this is a track too yeah 100 here uh this is you, this this is a career yeah and it's like it, it's it, it's something that and we and again i think we, we you, you touched based on it and uh, i talked a little bit about it it's just when we think about, you know, jobs and stable jobs or, you know, jobs that you can have, this is never something that even comes close to being on the mind. And that's not just saying about this job in specific. There's a lot of industries out there that, you know, a lot of us are kept from because we're not even allowed to explore. And that can sound kind of liberalish, whatever you want to call no, it, but that's, but that's, it. it's, it's, that's, that's the facts of things like you you shouldn't try to fit fit like if there's a there's a square hole or like a circle hole you're not going to fit a square through it it's just not going to work no matter how hard you try to like fit it in there like trying to conform somebody to do something they don't want to do is just going to be bad news and you know uh, it's kind of like sometimes you just have to take it upon yourself to do things that are going to be benefit for yourselves and eventually like you know how just keith you said that you mentioned how like, you know, first some family that didn't understand were kind of like questioning, obviously, you know, just how the culture is like you have, like everybody has to get their two cents in for some reason, but um, like, but like eventually like slowly, you know, you've been in this position for I think what, over a year, a year and a half? Yeah, I started October, 2020. So it'll be two years in October. Two years in October, right? So a year and a half almost. Um, but you've, already in like a year and a half already starting to have family come around kind of explain and not only are you kind of helping them like learn what you got is but you're also growing the knowledge of what it is because again we had this episode last last uh, last season with Munbreed. like there's a lot of misconceptions what you is what you movement does uh, on a day-to-day basis in a community basis but i wanted to kind of let you as a community organizer kind of talk about what do a community like what does community organizing entail and this is a very open-ended question because i know what like i know some of the things a community organizer entails but again like i say i don't follow a community organizer around every day so i wouldn't know all the vast things and for everybody that's wondering out there there's obviously for different people community organizing is going to look different like just keith if whatever she shares is not going to be the same as you know Mandeep of of 209 slash Sacramento is going to like his his day-to-day is very different but I just want to let you kind of talk about like what does it entail for you yeah uh thanks for that preface by the way I think uh yeah no community organizer varies by definition depending on who you're asking um and sometimes a community organizer isn't even someone that's you know getting a payroll for it either sometimes it is like the Punjabi school teachers at your local Gordwara right um it can be, it can look like a lot of things. It can look like a radio host. Um, I think when it comes to how I define community organizing, what I do on a day-to-day, um, sometimes it is managing about 300 people in your local region at a time. Sometimes it's as menial as like just getting the word out about events coming up. And sometimes it's as literal as organizing an event, right? And you're just organizing the community to come together. But I think what I realized is just how far wide that work goes. Maybe I have a different perception just working here in Fresno because I get to see the many projects that go on, I get to interact with them. There's a whole health team that has provided like 15 people full-time jobs, dude, to, um, you know, provide health resources to the Punjabi Sikh community. Like we're, you know, creating projects that have never been done before. We're creating, you know, like recording data that's never been reported before. There is the housing team here with Harman that are providing uh, rental assistance for folks that um, in Punjabi, you know, that we're able to help them and like, you know, deviate away from that model minority that our community isn't also affected by this um being able to witness the labor rights team as well too 
and the work that they're doing, um, you know, with Foster Farms being the largest employer of Punjabis in Fresno. Um, but even aside from that, like what matters are we involved with when it comes to our city and our county? Bakersfield just, you know, passed a huge a redistricting map that the Punjabi community really, really rallied for. And that work is cannot be done without community organizers. So uh, Fresno um, here locally, I think it's just connected me to other Asian orgs. Uh, with this last year, I've been a co-chair for the Fresno Asian American Collaborative. Um, and we were able to get a resolution passed last year. Um, and since, you know, with this whole last year, we meet on a monthly, bi-monthly basis to hold the city accountable to the things that the Asian American community was promised for. And I think like those are small things that folks don't think about when they hear about community organizer. Um, but I, I've just been able to really try to find and navigate a way for the Punjabi Sikh community to also have a seat at a table where, you know, there just isn't one currently. And uh, that starts with like your local politics. It starts with taking students to school board meetings so that they can kind of see why it's important for them to be there, why the smaller branches of government actually have a more direct effect on your everyday life than like this one large election that everyone thinks is so important, you know? And I'm jumping from like 30 different topics, but there's just no two days that are the same. There's no two projects that are the same. Um, the first project I ever worked on when I got here was um, alongside Harveen, where we were simply just lobbying and calling different um, electeds in California to get ethnic studies, you know, curriculum passed, to have Punjabi Sikh, uh, you know, history, Californian history also recognized um, in our ethnic studies, things that contribute to us being bullied when we're growing up, right? Um, I, I feel like there isn't an avenue that community organizing can't take a community. And just seeing that, like, this organization is was doing work that I just wasn't seeing being done um, for our community anywhere else is what was so inspiring what keeps me um, here what you know seeing what resources other uh, community organizations have um, CBOs that we call them right um, like for Latinx community for maybe the Hmong community like it's, it's just really inspiring to work with other organizations and see what can we do for ours you know if that's even just for transportation so yeah, projects are almost ongoing. Uh, small wins that happened for me yeah. even during the pandemic was like being able to pass, uh, you know, to be able to get Punjabi classes started and Clovis Unified, which is a huge deal because our community is spread out there. But we were able to show that like, hey, this is something that um, is necessary for their growth. You know, why not complete your high school credits, you know, with using your own language, you know? Um, and I, I apologize. I feel like I'm jumping everywhere. but. Uh, yeah, See, community but, organizing is so much more than, you know, there, there's just, I can't define it in a sentence. And that is the main point that I want to highlight, right? If there's one thing that, if you're listening to this episode, right, if there's one thing you take away from here, that it's that you see, you might see your the community organizer of your region from Jakarta Movement at Gordwara, or you might see them, you know, come to your high school or come to your college campus or just see them out and about, whatever. And, you know, if you ask them what do they do right that is a very like open-ended question that like you know just Keith Isaacs like you know what does it look like and she laid out like 50 different projects and that's just the ones that she could you know think of in the moment when she was I'm talking just thinking, like oh I forgot this thing. exactly so like you know even last like I keep referencing this episode but if you do if you're listening to, to this podcast and you don't kind of you want more information about what Jakarta movement is like what it entails um in season one i forget the episode but we were joined by Manpreet. it's called uh all about the jakarta movement it's an hour-long podcast we go over tons of you know programs what our jmcs are what our shss's are those shss's are high school uh clubs on campuses jmcs are jakarta movement chapters which is our collegiate clubs that we have so we there's all these things that we touch base on so if you want more information or you want to listen to more about those things check out that episode but like just keep, she she mentioned all these things that community organizers even though they might not be leading those projects they still have a hand in trying to help either run them organize them helping them run or helping them in any shape and aspect that they they can right mm -hmm. and i think one of the other things that i want to highlight is like you said no two days are the like right one day is going to be you know you're working on one project the next day you come in you might be working on something that's completely different and so that's something that I want to like, just that's not only like something to take away from like, you know, the job that you do or the what, but it's also, there's so many things that our community still needs 
and there's so many needs of our community that still need to be fulfilled and yet we are still figuring out how to go about doing these things because we are still such a community even though you know we might not be one of the bigger communities but here in the valley we are one of the bigger communities minority communities and you know for us to find resources right getting ballots in Punjabi or getting voter registers, uh, people to get uh, registered to vote, or, you know, with you touch base on our labor rights. I saw uh, the, I saw the movie that uh, at Nishan about the documentary about how the labor rights, they, during COVID time, Foster Farms was obviously trying to manipulate and take advantage of their employees and how that process of how the labor rights can, um, went in and the, the people of the, try to give and help as many people as they could, right? In terms of trying to get better, better treatment or just trying to get help them in any shape or possible form, right? And so these these that's like something that you wouldn't have think think of that as a community need, right? Or somebody's like working somewhere, like you know what they must be going through, like but just because you don't go through something that doesn't mean somebody else isn't going through something especially because like you know a lot of young folks we are privileged enough to grow up learning how to speak english and understand english a lot of our older folks in our community don't like they struggle with trying to comprehend what english is they struggle with trying to communicate and so when because this is one of the criticisms that i heard when i was trying to when i volunteered to help out when we were trying to get um ballots uh, voter ballot ballots in Punjabi was if they don't like some people were like if they should be able to learn English and I'm like dude what are you talking about like that's that's absurd to think that somebody that just came from India who's trying to survive as much as they can to want to voluntarily help and vote and try to shape or try to help you know trying to help their community and their the place that they live and you're trying to tell them like hey if you don't know this language you shouldn't be here I'm like that was one of the things I heard. And I'm just like, you're just privileged enough not to see that there's people that actually struggle with this. And you just, you're just thinking about yourself. So also I'm rambling on about everything that Jakarta does, but like we can sit here for hours and hours and hours and talk about this, but I wanted to go back a little bit to you and a little bit about how now, you know, being a part of Jakarta for an hour, like a year and a half, like what is like, what is, you know, you talked about the various uh, programs and stuff that you've helped with, but, you know, talking to, there is a way to talk to like older folks compared to talking to younger folks. Mm-hmm. How is that kind of like, because you have to talk to all spectrums, like, you know, the older yeah. folks and you have to talk to high schoolers and even, you know, even little kids when you, when we do Jagata juniors or when we see little kids and we have to talk to them as well. Like, how how is that about for you like what is like you know what does that entail thanks for asking that i'm going to take a step back too because i think i named everything that everyone else does it didn't even talk about what i do and a lot of that is talking to people of all ages just as you mentioned um i think i was terrified of that part jumping in because i've always felt a bit little um like socially just awkward you know like i knew how to talk to the people i know very well but talking to people for the first time sometimes wasn't always my strong suit so like i'm ambivert so I'm like extroverted around people that I know very well and I just knew that like stepping out of my comfort zone was something I was definitely going to have to do and then the first year of this uh you know my job here being online didn't help much because like I'm directly like just messaging students behind a screen or I'm on zoom and they're like behind a black screen so it's like I didn't even know how to really relate to folks I'm trying to like text them have a phone call on the side and they're just like who is this auntie calling I don't even know her who is this buddy that's annoying me all day Um, And then, you know, parents kind of confused about like, is there tutoring going on? Like what resources are there for me or my children? And then, um, you know, not really having much contact with Bajor because they were kind of stuck at at home for a very long time. Uh, I think now that we've transitioned back to in-person, I learned a lot about myself of how to communicate with the community. Like you had asked, Uh, I was very nervous about the school year starting. I'm just thinking in my head, like, what Jordan ones do I have to buy to get students to take me serious or think I'm cool? Uh, like, how do I approach them in a way that like they feel like they can relate to me? Like, what do I need to do? Um, yeah, I was just like kind of a mess in that way. But I get, but I think you learn by doing, and um, it's it's just like something that is on the spot that you have to like fail at to get better at. And I think I'm finally at a point, at least with the high school programming, where rather than me chasing them down to come see me, like you know, they come up to our booth when they see us at different events like we just had the nugget and students stopped by which was like 
so shocking to me because normally like I have to hound them to come to their lunch meetings but that's obviously an exaggeration but uh <laughs> that's been very interesting I feel like being a young woman too the one demographic I could never relate or talk to was like men over 30 and that's like a lot of like what our event looks like but um being able to just like gain those skills but or skills by like having um support there too like having other staff around and just having those conversations you know it, it's going to be awkward at first but like I just wasn't able to get better otherwise and I have always had such a hard soft spot hard a soft spot in my heart for um Bajorik, so <laughs> that's never been a problem I'm kind of just vibing with them all day so um like that's really helped when it comes to like recruiting for programming when parents come by to drop off their students I want them to know that they're with a trusted adult right um uh, and just asking them about their day you'd be surprised how much it changes like their mood um and lets them know that like yes like my children are going to an event and I feel that they're safe when they're there um talking to students in a way that like you know you realize you don't have to be their friend you're kind of just a mentor in their life you're their organizer right so you can have like a level of like mutual respect between you two and then sometimes you build very close bonds just inevitably because you're seeing these students so often so I feel like the communication has just gotten so much easier now that we're back in person, but everyone's kind of dealing with their own um, social quirks right now because of being home for a whole year. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think that's um, the differentiation between how to speak to, you know, older folks and speaking to folks that um, might not kind of see where you're coming from because like, you know, they might just be like, like who is this person trying to talk to me right and that's like for that's me that makes you like in like inside nervous because like you know if somebody comes up to you you don't want them to be like oh this person's like you know you want to have at least some conversation with somebody you just don't want to get blown off immediately because i just like you know self-confidence like this person do you want to like you know acknowledge that i was speaking yeah, to them we've like, also like created a culture here in fresno where like because there are so many like there's just so much Punjabi Sangat that like oftentimes when you see someone you kind of just turn the other way like if you're in a public setting right um and then you realize that like when you go up to them or like maybe if that's like Bajorg or you're in the grocery store and you're saying hi it actually like it means so much to some folks who probably feel like they don't have community here so didn't mean to cut you off no, no 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 <laughs> no that was actually what, like you know something that like that's that was actually where I was going to get to like you know just you don't uh, like having those conversations can make somebody's day so much better. like I know I when I was back home right not here in Davis but when I was back in Sacramento like when I would go out or I would see like Brazil going on their you know walks for the evening or just saying like you know or just like you know stopping by to like just you know acknowledge or like say hi to them like that really made them like you can see this genuine smile that comes across their face mm -hmm. and that just like you know that's for me, that's like something that you can't kind of, like, it's like something you just have to see because like they're, they're it's making a Bajorg just feel happy about themselves just, you know, makes me happy. But it's just like, it goes to your like, you know, like you said you have a soft spot in your heart. The same thing goes for me. Like, you know, when I hear, hear like, you know, the sad things that happen to Bajorg, like that really affects me like in, in a very, you know, different way than it would be like anything else because it's just like, I'm just, because I had for, I was, lucky enough to have my grandparents you know stay here in America for quite a while before you know they both passed away but you know seeing if I was like what if it was like my grandpa going down the street or you know my BB that's going down the street in this goodbye like I would be devastated like you know I would be so heartbroken to the point where like you know I don't think I would be able to like, you know it just leave me in a state that I don't want to be in right so it's just like I think that's something that we value but we don't value in our communities like the majority in our community like if you have grandpa grandmas that live with you you know you should spend any time that you have free with them like it's just you know it's you will hear stories you'll talk to them and you know i think they'll they're like they're the most supportive people in the world and I will say this, like uh, my grandma was the most supportive person that I've ever met of to any of us, not just me, but to like my sister, to my brother, to my dad, like any, anybody that came from, like she was just the most supportive person out there. And so like, I think that's just something that like we misvalue. And I'm like, I'm so happy that, you know, Jagada makes the effort to not only just, we're, we're not just all, we're not just focused on like, you know, high schoolers and college, but we're also trying to make a better community and living for the folks that are older in age in our community as well because like 
I feel like sometimes when we think about like how do we want to make our community better they're somehow forgotten in that conversation like we always think about like okay this is what our like they went through but we don't want to help like we just want to think about how can we make a difference so we don't have to go through those things right mm-hmm. and it's very like you can't like you shouldn't lose sight of those things and i'm like you know it's very it makes me happy to like when i speak to because i've helped table that are going to i went to the narki then table there as well like having those conversations talking to like you know like you know like that typical like come up and then they'll listen to you talk for 10 minutes just to say ചെറുപ്പത്തിലേക്കൊരു your and like you know being a community organizer like what is something that you would tell somebody that wants to be a community org- or like is thinking about like okay i'm nearing the end of my four years undergrad i don't know if i want to go to graduate school right away or like you know i'm on the fence or whatever like what would you like what what would your advice be because you took such like you know you took this like you know route yourself you took this opportunity kind of yourself and you kind of didn't listen to what other people had to say So what is like something that like you told yourself or you went like you were trying to help that helped you kind of made this decision a little bit easier and what would you tell them to like help them make this decision or like you know think that way for themselves as well Sure um I wanted to start off by saying that like I am a direct product of the programming that Jakarta has put on I you know I have been through like I mentioned the Jakarta Juniors like I've been in JMC um I attended the the conferences and that's what really kept me connected um it I I want to say that I I'm proof that these programs you know make a difference in someone's life because I know that they made such a difference in mine and whether you're from any region if you're from somewhere that doesn't even have like um you know SHSS maybe you're from SoCal I would say like reach out to the closest organizer to you and I just don't see us not finding a spot for you. Um I know that you just had a meeting with or you had a episode with Munbreed last season about what Jakarta looks like, but we've already grown so much since then and I think like we're also in a position We might need part 2 for that. We might you might need like multiple. Yeah, you might uh, just wait another year. It might be a, it might be a whole season thing like one episode a season it's just dedicated to that. There was a time where I was um attending Jakarta events and there was five full-time staff and like that's just Oh, I remember that. I I, I was kind charge, of right? Like yeah, I was I was the first Nishan, the first Nishan that I went to. I think there was what six to my memory yeah. or five. No, there was five. So it was Manu, Pulvinder, Sam, Gamal, Rimi. That's it. Manu. I already, I counted her. That was the first person. Yeah. So maybe. And there was but, five. <laughs> and I would just like to say, like, for reference, we are nearing about, like, 40 full-time folks. Like, maybe they're not directly community organizers. They could be healthcare workers. But there's a way that you can align your passion and then create that as a project in your community. I don't think anyone that... join those projects that joined as a community organizer knew that they would be um they would love it as much as they did and I'm not trying to say like oh it's just as easy as signing up or sending a text like this is a lot of work and it it, it is work it, it it's a lot you know um but it's not impossible and if there's like a project that you have in mind if you're like I have this interest but I want to do it for my community like you need to reach out to us and just make it happen for yourself and I don't see like why you know you can't do that maybe you want to community organize in other ways you know like you never have to do this like full time to be an organizer like i said sometimes it's not like what your full time profession is and to you like community organizing can just be someone that like really cares and like does a podcast every month you know what i mean like to make sure that community voices are uplifted like all those things as you are organizing your community and you're you're engaging with them um and it can it can look however big and small that you might think it is and If you want to know more about it like just reach out. I'm sure anyone is ready to like hop on a Zoom call or grab some coffee with you or invite us to our next conference which is Love God by the way happening this summer. So come to Love God and maybe we could talk about it there, right? So Yeah. That, and that would be my advice. I don't know that like I've been <laughs> in this position long enough to just like hand out advice like that, but I would say like it, it's 
it's hard, but not as hard as you think. Yeah. I encourage it. I feel like everyone needs this experience. The skills that I'm gaining in this position, um, I'm just a completely person, different person than I was when I joined. And for the better, I, I'm loving the version of myself that I'm becoming. Um, I'm feeling a lot more confident in multiple different things. Before starting this on a Zoom call, I'm like, Grinder, I'm nervous. I can't talk. <laughs> I, I don't speak well. And I, I acknowledge that I don't, but it's allowed me to be in a position where I can improve on that. And, and so many points so even if it's you know not for like fiscal reasons but it's for personal reasons I fully support and you can text me call me email all that good stuff DMR account there's so many ways to reach us yeah and you know for any like always um you can go to jagata.org that will be the website that you can get you know contact information you can get information about various programming also on there so if there's like you know you want to see who is the closest community organizer to me you know they're labeled with their with their regions so if you're in socal you know probably your best bet is to somebody from bakersfield you know try to contact one of those folks and kind of see like what you can do but i think even you kind of downplayed yourself in terms of like you said like you know you haven't been in it for too long but the fact that like you know you you've been through this process and you've made these decisions and you caught you talked like you shared a lot about like the story of you getting to where you are today and I feel like that is unique to yourself and you know if I would do this podcast episode with another community organizer it would be a different story and that just goes to show how diverse we are within one community within within one minority is like nobody's path is alike and as much as you want to think that they are, they're really not. Like you can come from similar backgrounds, but you will divert or you'll have something in your background that's different than somebody else's. Like I promise and I guarantee you that. And, and I just want to say like, just, just keep as we met like a couple of years back, but it's like, you know, whenever we're hanging, like when we, when we get together for, you know, Lukar and Ashan, it's always kind of, we have a fun time. We have a great time. It's very like, you're bonded to one another, you know, <laughs> I would say with my whole heart, like, you know, when I'm with, when, when I'm going away for a weekend, like that, those are like the highlights of my, of my year that I look back on. Like, you know, if I can look back on years, even though it's been, you know, so many years now, like, you know, I was thinking of Nishan 20, 2018, that was like four years ago, right? That's like, I've been to the next four Nishans after that. I'm not mm -hmm. bragging, but I went to my fifth one in a row, but you know, we it's just it. it's <laughs> you know being humble but five, is life but like you know five nishans in a row right it's like <laughs> okay i'll be humble but like it's it's crazy to like think back like you know when i think about 2018 right i'm like okay nishan the car what else did i do that year all this other stuff right but, but like every single year that's kind of been the highlight and it's it's just because like i've i'm in a space that i'm happy i'm in this space that i feel connected to and i feel like i can be myself without judgment and that just you know if you're ever if you're somebody that's not a part of Takata and you're listening to this somehow you found this up this podcast but there are people out there that I, I feel like that are listening to this that don't know or that haven't been in our spaces reach out join the spaces and in any space I wanted to add one thing I don't yes. think anyone needs to wait either I would recommend going to this url www.jagata.org slash jobs there are community organizing positions open right now. If you're in Fresno, we need a youth center director. If you're in the Bay Area, we need another organizer. Um, in Stanislaus, we're hiring for another organizer right now. LA County, if you're in SoCal, like we can get it started and there's positions available for you right now. So I don't want you to think that this is like something you have to long-term maybe think about. If you're ready, if you like have, you know, you're graduated, you're kind of looking to get involved. It's not too late. We're hiring this exact moment. Um, so set up that call very soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, that's, see that, that to kind of wrap up this episode, you know, some people might, if you listen to this episode throughout, I didn't really give a label to this episode in the beginning. And that's not because there wasn't a label to give, but that was, it was just something that I want to, this episode was basically exploring the Jakarta movement uh, opportunity in terms of employment like yeah you can be a volunteer we're we'll happily take you as a volunteer we're not saying that you only get a job if you don't get the job then don't come volunteer like hey you know we would want you to come back and be part of these spaces but like if you have a passion for community organizing or you know you're like 
I don't want to go to grad school yet and you don't know what you want to do in between, you know, this is an opportunity that's out there for you. That's, that's going to be correlating right into your community, right? You can help your community on so many levels. And so th- this is why this episode, I wanted to, you know, have an open discussion about, you know, what community organizing like entails what, from a community organizer of Jakarta movement, like, and kind of pick at your brain of like how those decisions, because those decisions of making, you know, okay, I went to school for this for these, these many years and now I'm doing this, right? Is that's not something that's like gonna be within like one day, right? You're not gonna overnight be like, you're gonna wake up the next day and you're like, you know what? I don't wanna be a bio- biologist anymore. I wanna go work here. I'm not saying that for myself, but you know, just saying in general, just give an example, but um, yeah, that's that was the scope of this episode. And like like I said in the beginning, if you want more information about events that are happening locally to yourself, you can always go to jakarta.org um, and that's the website. You can see the different programmings or you can go to the Instagram page, um, Jakarta Movement on Instagram and you can get various canvas. There's always posting stories about upcoming events that are near you. Um, if you're local to Davis, like I said, and if you're not local to Davis, um, if you're from Sacramento or from the area, but you always check out our JMC UCD page. That is where we post all of our upcoming events for Davis. And to wrap up again, little cards happening in person here at UC Davis. So if you are across anywhere, yeah. Um, what was it? June? June 24th to the 27th. There you go. There's So June 24th to the 27th, UC Davis. Um, it's It'll be after in, everybody's score voices. So yeah. I need all the cores out here. Things to come and learn. Um, yeah. It's going to be a great, great event. No, but like anywhere in the state, this is not like that's not something that I don't want. I just want to preference. Like that's not something that's concluded just for UC Davis folks. That's anybody. If you're in college right now, maybe you're a high school student that just graduated and that's going to become a senior or going to become a college student, you can also attend as well. So, um, yeah. But without further ado, like I said, this is going to be April's um, episode. We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. So if you just want to listen to our voices, uh, you can go listen to us there. If you want to see our beautiful faces, I encourage you to do so. You can always come and look at us on uh, JMC Chronicles on YouTube. Every single episode is posted on here. So if you want the video version of that, you can come watch us on there. Um, Always interact. If you're on the audio platforms, please subscribe to the platforms or like the episodes or download the episodes. It really helps us grow. Uh, and then on YouTube, subscribe and, and like the videos. It helps us also grow here as well. Reach people that might not know what we are, but you know want to listen to Punjabi-oriented podcasts. Feel free to join. Um, without that, I'll say, Wairika Khalsa, Wairujiki Fateh.